SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Tuesday, July 21st. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge every weekday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man live and direct from the basement giving out winners. He is Kevin Walsh. And Kevin, we had a very interesting day in the MLS is back tournament. I want to recap what we saw. First of all, as you know, my squad NYCFC did get the job done. A beautiful Kevin over the top ball, like 40, 50 yards to get Ish to jury Shradi a goal. And NYCFC does win one, nothing, keeping their hopes alive on the other side Inter Miami. The expansion club Kev, has lost their first Five matches and still hasn't even played a home game. Not a great start for the expansion club, huh? Yeah, I mean, not what you, uh, not what you would have wanted. Obviously, you'd like to see right. some points in there somewhere uh, if you're them. And I, you know, it was interesting during the broadcast as they talked about how the idea around expansion teams has certainly kind of been changing. Because typically, right, like you wouldn't have super high expectations, but you look at obviously what. LAFC has been able to do Atlanta United and you know even NYCFC even though they're a little bit more established at this point but the these expansion teams have you know been able to come in and uh, put forward certainly better results and that's obviously why it's been a historically poor start for Miami from the NYCFC perspective this was the bare minimum they needed three points Um, you know they would have done better for themselves to get a two one or a three two. Because the tiebreaker scenarios require more and more goals. And they've only scored twice the entire tournament. And that's going to be one of the things that you might look back on, depending on how these tiebreakers shake out. And, of course, you know, I'm sure we're, sure we're going to, you know, kind of look at through all the different yeah. scenarios that need to play out in their favor. But, you know, you start going through the tiebreakers, and, you know, if teams finish level on goal differential, then they turn to goals for. And NYCFC has a very, very low total. Yes, only two goals in the three group game stages. But to Kevin's point here, okay, we got to make 16 teams for the knockout stage. There are six groups. The top two teams from each group are through. But four of the six third-place teams will make it in. Group A is the first to finish play in the group stage, right? So in essence... NYC is the first third place team that kind of sets the bar. We will show throughout the week as these other uh, groups finish up where those third place teams stack up and what needs to happen for any of those third place teams to qualify for the round of 16. As you mentioned, Kev, they got the three points. They now have three points and they have two goals for as we look, other groups will finish up throughout the week. It is going to be interesting. I do believe that one of the third-place teams with three points 
will get in. The question is, how will the goal differential work? The question is, how will the goals for work, as Kevin mentioned, going through the different uh, tiebreakers that are at play? But it is very, very interesting. And we've got a couple of games on tap tonight that we are going to talk about. One of the groups, um, Atlanta and Columbus, can do a very big uh, help for NYCFC. And Kevin, as we welcome in our radio audience now, good morning to everybody here on the early line. Kev, we had another game last night, this for two teams that are going through to the knockout stage. And I got to tell you something, Kev. At first, remember, we were wondering when Philadelphia and Orlando got together, would they try for it? Would they go for it? Does it matter for the seating? Well, they're both through. But Kevin, one thing to note, this is still a regular season Eastern Conference MLS game, right? And so if these teams especially are doing well, they needed to perform because obviously group uh, points, not only in the tournament, but in the Eastern Conference are on the line and Philly and Orlando wind up with a 1-1 draw. Yeah, and credit to Orlando. Uh, I mean, the expectations for this team were certainly not to finish at the top of this table, whether right. you know you were someone that was going to be favoring NYCFC for the pedigree and, uh, you know, they're coming on the back of their incredible season last year, or you thought the mm-hmm. young upstart Philadelphia Union would be able to get the job done. And uh, the Orlando, I mean, and, and you think about this, right? They played 80 minutes of that first game, and they were losing to Inter-Miami. Mm-hmm. They proceeded to score those two. They beat NYCFC where, you know, they scored two uh, quick goals. And now the reward for them is being able to play a third-place team in the group stage where I believe um, we're going to see the Philadelphia Union match up with the second-place team uh, from Group C. So, okay. you know, you kind of look at the points right now. Toronto FC could be that team. That's a that's a difficult matchup, right? Toronto FC was mm-hmm. one of the probably top five favorites coming into this tournament. So I, I think you're looking at a spot here where you have to give Orlando City credit. Do I think they're going to, at the end of this, be the winners? No, not necessarily. But they've done themselves a, a, a big service here. And you can't help but wonder, is this tournament being in Orlando giving them any kind of boost? I don't know how it would. They're not, they're not at home. There's no fans. Right. You know, Everybody's in the bubble, so there's no travel. I don't know how it would give them a boost. But considering the fact that they are here now, it does make me wonder. You know, I thought the same thing. I had literally the same exact thought process, Kev. You know, like, hey. Orlando doing well in Orlando. But then just like you said, they're in the bubble. I don't know if they're just accustomed to the weather, if they're accustomed to walking around, you know, ESPN wide world of sports. I don't know, but they are through and we tip our cap to Orlando. There are some matchups tonight that are very important. We'll talk about them next in the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on sports grade. Kevin, uh, Kevin Walsh and I now looking at today's 
MLS games as more groups finish up their round robin group stage. Kez, Kev, as I look at the first game here at nine o'clock this morning, we've got Toronto and New England in Group C, and and Kev, this in essence is for the winner of the group, right? They both stand at four points right now. Their goal differential is both at one. Who, whoever wins this matchup will in fact win Group C. And as I look right now, Toronto is a very slight favorite at plus 140, the Revolution at plus 155. These teams are tight. You know they're going to be playing for it. This is, again, another key Eastern Conference regular season game. And I believe that point cannot be overstated, Kev. You know, a lot of times in these tournaments, we talk about, and we even mentioned it yesterday, that these groups will just... The teams will just do what they know they need to do to advance or for the group standings. But these points also count to the regular season standings. So I think both of these squads are going to be going for the full three points. How do you see Toronto, New England breaking down this morning? And that's a good point to, to know, right, that this game doesn't only matter in the context right. of the MLS's back tournament. Although you would think that these teams are going to prioritize what's immediately in front of them. And that could apply to Toronto FC, where a draw does, you know, probably get the job done for them in order to move forward in this tournament. Now, the, the interesting thing here is the nightcap with DC United and Montreal. Yep. And we'll hit that game specifically we'll that in a second. Yep. But if DC picks up the full three points here, if we get a winner in Toronto FC against New England, then you can fall all the way back to three. And four points should be enough to get you into the next round as one of the four third-place teams. But you'd much rather be on the two-line than be on the three-line. So this is a very, very important game. I think we could maybe see Toronto play for the draw, but ultimately, they're going to feel as if they can go out there and put goals past this team. We think to how Toronto got their MLS's back tournament underway, right, where they they blew that lead, and you knew that messed with them a bit, conceding those two goals with a man advantage to D.C. Right. United. Uh, if you remember that match, all both coming within the mm-hmm. last, like, 10 minutes or so of the game. They then had a really high-scoring affair with Montreal, but again, got the job done 4-3. Toronto comes in with the pedigree, at plus 140, Toronto FC uh, is interesting to me in this spot. All right, fair enough. And then you mentioned the, the nightcap also in this group and kind of the, the the help, right? We say teams need to win and get help. And I think mm-hmm. you identified this very interestingly. Okay, first of all, you know, D.C. United is the plus 130 favorite against Montreal. But as we look in the standings of Group C, Right. Like you said, if D.C. United gets a win in the way that they are favored to do so, they would get to five points. Right. They will, however, at least have the advantage, Kevin, of knowing what they need to do because Toronto and New England will have played this morning. You know, if there is a winner in that game. One of these teams would be at seven. The other would be at four. Then D.C. rolls into their matchup tonight, knowing a win would guarantee them the second spot in the group. Um, So that's interesting. If they draw, like you said, 
right? Then you'd have Toronto and New England at five points, and their goal differentials would both be plus one. In that scenario, DC United, who has the two points, but their goal differential is flat, they would need to win to get to the five points, right? And they would need uh, to win by two in order to hop over these two squads for the goal differential. However, if they get the win, Kev, you got to think any third place team that gets the five points would be through to the knockout stage. Yeah, I'd say five points is more than enough from that three spot. And really for DC United, as long as New England doesn't win, they have actually got a pretty solid shot if they then win their game. Because if you get and you kind of go through all these uh, difference makers here. So let's say it's a a nil-nil draw between New England and Toronto FC. So they both go on sure. to five points. DC United then wins their game just one nothing. Well, they now will get to the plus one goal differential, which would put them even with New England. They'd be yep. even with New England on points as well. But they would have yep. scored more goals than New England, who's only scored two goals. Right. And again, we're talking about 0-0 draw in the sure. early spot to where D.C. United then would have scored actually two more goals than them. So D.C. United does have a very legitimate path towards getting themselves involved in the two spot. But what I think maybe we're neglecting here a little bit is if we believe that NYCFC is alive in the three spot with their minus two goal differential and three points, then the Montreal Impact would have a minus one goal differential or better with a win and three points also have to be considered alive in this spot, and this shouldn't be some foregone conclusion that the D- that D.C. United is going to roll here. Mon- the Montreal Impact have just as much to play for going into this game. They absolutely do. They are just not favored to be the winners as we look at the line right now with our friends over at FanDuel. D.C. is plus 130. The Montreal Impact plus 180. The draw is plus to 30. The other game tonight, I think that NYC and other third place teams in other groups need to keep an eye on. The other game tonight is at 8 o'clock Atlanta against Columbus. And here's why that's interesting. As I look to Group E, Kevin, Atlanta, one of the best teams in MLS last year over the last couple of years, remember, they are without Martinez, and they have not earned a point they have not scored a goal so far in this matchup they play columbus kev and columbus is one of the teams that have looked the best so far getting the full six points they are up six nothing in their goals for goals against so far so let me play this out for you in group e right if atlanta cannot get the job done then you gotta look at fc cincinnati and the red bulls they are both at three points Later on this week, the Red Bulls will be favored against almost expansion Cincinnati. If the Red Bulls win, Cincinnati stays at three points. Their goal differential goes from minus three to even lower. So for any of these third-place teams that have designs on getting in at three points, it is a big matchup tonight. You got to make sure Atlanta cannot pop their head up with a win. Even a draw would be okay to send Atlanta home, but boy, has Columbus looked good so far. And that's the benefit, right? Again, if you are a team like an NYCFC, yeah. is Group e specifically, is you would think like, oh man, you know, Atlanta United is due. They're not. They're missing their best player. They're not due. And, you know, we've talked about Cincinnati 
right after their first game is, oh, man, just the worst team there. Columbus beat up on them 4 nothing, And then they beat Atlanta United. So mm-hmm. now I know that you know this. it's not the transitive property when it comes to sports. Otherwise, we'd all be billionaires because betting would be that simple. It's not that simple. But Columbus has looked wonderful. Now, they can go out there again, and they could play for a draw. Look, there's honestly, they probably don't even need any points from this game to finish at the top of this group. But I think that Columbus has to kind of see the results that they've put that they've put forward and feel prideful of that. And here's the biggest thing, I think, for me, Dane, as we look into this game, is that Columbus has yet to concede a goal. And mm-hmm. teams take a lot of pride in that. Clean sheets matter a lot to a soccer team. And I think Columbus will take pride in not conceding in the entirety of a group stage. And in order to do that, they'll need to keep Atlanta United quiet, who have yet to score a goal. I think Columbus is going to be able to go out there and continue to keep Atlanta United quiet. Yeah, absolutely. Remember the impact here, it looks like, of Joseph Martinez for Atlanta United is proving to be huge so far. If Columbus either draws or gets the win, Atlanta United will go home, and then there'll be a lot of eyes later on in the week in that New York Red Bulls versus FC Cincinnati game, because if the Red Bulls can get that done, then Group E would be one of the two groups where the third-place team does not qualify for the knockout stage, making teams like NYC, making teams like DC United very, very happy. More when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As the NBA approaches a return to play, some big news out of Orlando. Zero out of 346 players have tested positive for COVID-19 since July 13th. Alex Len will be one of several Sacramento Kings sitting out Wednesday's scrimmage. Len recently recovered from COVID-19 and said that he felt the effects for over three weeks, which included a loss of smell and taste. In baseball, Angels manager Joe Madden said Monday that he's not certain Anthony Rendon will be ready for opening day. Rendon, who signed a seven-year, $245 million deal with the Angels this winter, remains bothered by lingering oblique tightness and soreness. Astros manager Dusty Baker noted Monday that Ryan Presley will, quote, probably open as the Astros' primary closer if Roberto Ozuna is not ready. Ozuna has yet to throw off a mound since arriving late to Astros' summer camp. The Athletics placed left-handed pitcher Adrian J. Puck on the 10-day injured list with a left shoulder strain. Chris Paddock has been confirmed as the Padres opening day starter Friday versus the Diamondbacks. Brandon Bell will open the 2020 season on the injured list. Bell has been bothered by heel soreness for most of summer camp. And the Brewers placed left-handed pitcher Brett Anderson on the 10-day injured list with a blister on his left index finger. In the 
NFL, some major headway has been gained between the NFL and the NFLPA. The NFL on Monday made an offer to the Players Association to play no preseason games this summer. That's according to Adam Schefter of ESPN and multiple other reports. The players had been pushing not to play a preseason game this year, while the league had most recently been seeking to play two games instead of the usual four. The league's proposal to the players also includes an offer for a longer training camp acclimation period. That's according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, and that is much closer to what the union had been proposing. Free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown has retired from the NFL. Well, at least that's what we think his Twitter message said. It's the third time since September that Brown has announced his retirement. And the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport is reporting 49ers running back Raheem Moster spoke to a high-ranking member of the 49ers organization to, quote, clear the air and, quote, get on the same page moving forward. And the New York Jets have signed first-round pick tackle Mekhi Becton to a four-year, fully guaranteed $18.75 million contract. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update. Thanks, Dan, for the news update. We'll be checking in with him a little bit uh, next hour as well. But, Kev, we turn our attention to the NBA, and one of the things that Dan mentioned I know has to make you completely overjoyed because there has been nobody plugged into the NBA. I saw you even on social media saying how it's a testament to the way the NBA has kind of planned, uh, collaborated, you know, tried to give this runway. This is something you have mentioned a lot, this runway from when they reported until when exhibition games were going. Hopefully, would it, you know, lead to this exact data point, Kev, that I know makes you very excited. Over, over the last week, the NBA, inside the bubble, tested 346 players, Kev. And how many positive tests for coronavirus did they have, brother man? A big old zero. Zero. That's right. Not zero. Wow, only one zero. Absolutely zero out of the 346 tests that were conducted on players who had arrived and were inside the bubble have all come up negative. So, Kev, what's your reaction to this? Because obviously for me, um, I have two reactions, okay? I think it's something of a double-edged sword. I I know you're going to hate any cynicism I put on this, but this right now, as of now, shows that we have a clean bill of health and a clean slate that we're good to go for all the players inside the bubble. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear the devil's advocate that you were always likely to be playing with, with this news. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's like at the end of the day, we're getting the NBA season. They oh, have taken every appropriate measure up to this point, and they are set to reap the benefits of that. And that's fantastic to see. They gave themselves ma- a massive runway. Every single player that has showed up to the bubble is going to be able to participate in this tournament. And there's really not much more you could want here. I mean, July 13th, right, was kind of when, when all of those tests were taken. Like, we are right. obviously, you know, now a week removed we- from that. We are going to, I think, tomorrow start scrimmage games. So, again, that means that anybody who wants to be a full go in those scrimmage games is going to have that opportunity. Now, yes, some people have had to leave due to family emergency, and they've had to right. you know, re-go through their quarantine process. But the thing you have to feel comfortable about, right, for a guy like an Eric Bledsoe 
or you know a guy like Zion Williamson who has to come back is that mm-hmm. when they get back, they will not be able to get through without testing negative. They're not going to come in and bring things, you know, bring things in because the NBA's process has been super effective, and you really can only praise them for it. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to throw any shade on what they have done so far, right? And what they have done so far is great. Zero out of the 346. Yes, absolutely. Here's, I guess, the devil's advocate for me. Okay, Kev, we have been always talking about this concept of is the bubble really a bubble, right? And here's what I think is the double-edged sword of it, Kev. We now know that the 346 players that are there are negative, okay? So if and when any of those players now do test positive, it completely changes, it it completely compromises the idea that the bubble is a bubble. It hasn't happened yet, right? But now if any of these players do contract it, we will know that they got it from inside the bubble thus killing the aura of the bubble now 346 players we know they're clean we know they're good right so if it does happen and listen i cross my fingers i hope it doesn't kev right but if any of these players do test positive we will then know that they contracted it inside the bubble remember when we had things like fc dallas and nashville and all that and we were like oh maybe it was in their travel maybe they already had it maybe it was false positives now that we have a completely clean slate in the nba now is when we see how tight that bubble truly is you know we talked about employees coming in and out things of that nature right we're gonna find out now if the bubble concept truly holds because until now we really couldn't because we were talking about oh maybe they got it this way maybe it was a false positive now we're at square one and only now can we find out if the bubble is really doing its job? So let's look to other bubbles. Okay. The CBT tournament, very successful. They had a positive okay. test, asymptomatic. They removed the team because they were going to be super strict. Less days, though. I get that. What about the MLS? We haven't had an update from there in a while. Well, on July 18th, they let us know uh, of the test that they uh, performed from July 16th and 17th. There were no New confirmed positive tests out of 1,114 people tested inside the bubble. The reason why these leagues or events, if you want to call that for a TBT, are using the bubble concept is from what we've seen, Dane, it works. That's what we've seen. It works. Now, again, I'm not going to tell you that it's it's an unknown, unseeable virus. Of course, something could go wrong, right? There's always the worry of a, of a false negative. Could somebody who's returning from the outside potentially test negative, you know, four or five days in a row? I don't think it's likely. And again, that's because the NBA's put those protocols in. But could it possibly happen? Yeah, it could possibly happen. Could potentially, you know, somebody coming in as a worker have coronavirus? It's certainly possible. But everything that we've seen from the NBA, I mean, this is the thing, Dane, as they were preparing for this tournament, their thought process, I don't even think, like they thought it would go as well as it has gone, right? Their idea was that they were prepared for positive tests. And if on, you know, so whenever the next update might be July, you know, 27th, right? The week of the Monday before games, if there is an update 
on tests, right? And, you know, a couple pop up. Right now, based on what they've done, you kind of have to trust them to be able to fix it and be able to piece things together and, you know, put whomever is, you know, infected to a side and quarantining and, and getting treatment while keeping right. everybody else safe and not compromised. There's always going to be a risk factor when you're doing anything during a pandemic, 100%. But the, the bubble process from every example we have of it, Dane, works. All right, well, now we are at square one, and let's hope it continues to work throughout. We can't right, really say we're at square one, though. That's not really fair. We are. It's not of fair. Of course to, we are. But, 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 of course but we they, are. The, there, there was an entire process that got us there. That is so unfair to act as if now everything, like, and you've done this a couple of times where you've said, okay, well, now and now we'll see. Like, everything, the act discredits everything. Dean, you're completely discrediting everything they've done to this point. Say, okay, now we'll see. And you've said that at multiple checkpoints. Of course, we have to see how things progress. Of course yeah. we do. But to say they're at square one, they, they've been in the bubble for, for over a week. They're not at square one. Okay, I mean, you can you you want to be happy about it. That's absolutely fine. But this is a constant threat, Kev. It's not like the yeah, threat. It's not that I want to be happy about it. They tested 346 players, and none of them are positive. That's the news. That's the news. So if every time there's a new round of testing, right, and this will happen again next week, there'll be a new of round course. of testing, and you'll just of go, course. well, we're at square one, because that's what that's what's happening no. at each round of testing. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm going to say every single time. I, I believe this, right? Because actually, all the players are still not even in the bubble yet, okay? We have Patrick Connington from the Bucks. We have Bam Adebayo from the Heat. We have multiple players that have still not gotten there. We think Russell Westbrook maybe arrived with Mike D'Antoni like yesterday or today. What we see so far is good. Yes, but you and I have talked about this before, Kevin, multiple times that any of these rounds of testing are merely a snapshot in time, right? It does not guarantee anything moving forward. It is a it is a snapshot in that period, okay? And the bubble still continues to be in Orlando, which still continues to be in Florida. The risk is still there. I am happy about this, Kev. I am happy that 340-some-odd players have a clean bill of health. It is only that which allows us to proceed. Now the bubble hopefully is sealed, and we'll see what continues to happen. I don't think it's disingenuous, though, to treat this for what it is, one you know snapshot in time that does not necessarily mean it's going to stay like that but hopefully it will everything that has happened so far is positive okay however i do believe to automatically assume that that's going to continue to be the case is kind of like what some of these states did in reopening and i don't think that's necessarily you know accurate you, absolutely there we are in a good place now i hope we continue to be there but just because we are in this place now doesn't mean we're gonna go three months and of and, and worse okay so i don't maybe we're not disagreeing then Kev. <laughs> and and look it certainly wouldn't be the first time that you and i have argued while not disagreeing uh this is you know we've, we've been doing this for a couple months sure, sure sure but i i just think as like, I remember as the MLS, right, when we look back at the MLS, like, even just take this from the MLS perspective, right? 
Yeah. Like at the time, I think, it, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I think you would have said that you didn't think the tournament was going to finish. It now seems, though, as if the two and the two teams that were hit hardest by this disease were removed, and they just they had an update of over a thousand tests, and there were no positives. Like right now, do you expect the MLS's back tournament to finish? To finish? Yes. Yes, I do. My vote right. in that and poll question, when we did the poll question, it was zero, one, more than one, or the tournament won't finish, right? When we mm -hmm. did that poll, it was just FC Dallas. There was already more than one, which was Nashville. After that, there was a game that was postponed, not because of positive tests, but because of processing issues with the tests, right? And so those things continue to happen. We will hope we are hearing about it in Major League Baseball as well, but you are absolutely correct, Kevin. Zero out of 346 can be seen as nothing but a positive sign. We'll continue to talk about it when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh putting the fun in functional sports content. Kev, 346 players have tested negative. Those are the players, Kev, who are inside the bubble. There are, however, some NBA players who are still dealing with this virus, have tested positive, or we don't even know, right, because of HIPAA laws who have yet to arrive to the bubble. And I know you always say, don't worry about those teams that can't really contend. Don't worry about that 10th man on the rotation. Talk to me about big-time players or big-time teams. And so I have a couple for your response. One is Patrick Connington of the Milwaukee Bucks, clearly the number one seed in the East, the favorite to win the East. Connington is a big piece of this team. And I mentioned this, Kev, because now – they already had Bledsoe, if you remember, also test positive for coronavirus. He's saying that he feels fine, right? But one of the things we have talked about with people in other sports, whether it be Eduardo Rodriguez or Freddie Freeman, who did just come back, we wonder about the impact longer term. And now does this compromise some of that window to kind of get reps, have those exhibition games, be 100%. Maybe there's the fear of things like soft tissue injuries, a pulled hamstring or something like that. For Coddington, how do you feel about this news? Patrick Coddington will be coming into the bubble, did not travel with the team because he is dealing with coronavirus. And just like the Lakers, right, Kev, who had Avery Bradley not there and Rajon Rondo, and we talked about it, how these things can pile up. What about now the backcourt for the Eastern Conference favorite Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I like how you make me sound very cold, right, unless, you're, uh, unless you've made an all-star team, but I'm not worried about it. That's not really what I was – uh, ever trying to get at here. Oh, and well, I don't know no, we were talking about what actually impacted competitive balance, you know, as right. things that would really move the needle. And, and look, Pat Connaughton certainly is on the Milwaukee Bucks. He is averages the ninth most minutes on the team. Here's the big okay. thing, I think, when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, is I know how they are viewed by a lot of people 
when it comes to their legitimacy, right? Because you're one of them. You think that they're yeah. vulnerable when the playoffs start, right? There's a lot of yeah. people who view them the way you do. And there will be some people who say, that, oh, that's totally unfair. But at the end of the day, they were up 2-0 on the Raptors. They had the best record in the NBA last year. And then they lost four in a row. And there's always now going to be a question. That's and Until Giannis at least gets to a final, right. I don't know if he's built for the playoffs. Until Mike Budenholzer coaches this team to the finals, I'm not sure if they're built for the playoffs. That's what's going to happen, fair or not. But I do wonder how much is that in the Bucks mindset. And where I hmm. think it really matters is that opening game against the Boston Celtics. Now, that first game, if they go out there and they beat them by double digits, right, it serves as a nice reminder. Yeah, we were off for a while, sure. but don't forget who's ran this enti- who's ran this conference all year long. We're the best team. But if they go out there and lose that first game, and will it have a playoff intensity? I'm not sure. And if I had right. to, you know, check a yes no box, I might even check the no box. But if that game's tight at the end and Boston is able to yank one away from Milwaukee, I just wonder what that does for their mentality. What does that do? For their ego. And listen, as much as, you know, I, you know, I joke Pat Conton is the ninth man on this team, he still is a relevant piece for them. And also, so is Eric Bledsoe, who his absence led to this line being moved from a five point uh, Milwaukee Bucks favorite to a four and a half point Milwaukee Bucks sure. line. So that does beg the question if they're going to miss both Bledsoe and Pat Conton entering yeah. this game, right? Well, then the onus is put a lot more so on George Hill, who probably would have to enter the starting lineup. Then you're going to need a bit more from Dante DiVincenzo, Kyle Korver in that opening game. And again, if Boston is able to see themselves take one off of you, I just wonder if that starts to get the wheels turning a bit. Because I know for sure, Dane, if they lose that first game, a close one to the Boston Celtics, there will be a conversation of, oh, see, look, they can't win in the postseason. Yeah, and that conversation may leave the early line the following morning, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And here's the other thing. You know, you talk about Coddington and Bledsoe. That's why I mentioned the idea of Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo with the Lakers. You know, sometimes when you see a player who's maybe a bench guy or just a rotation guy or just a 3 and D guy or just a glue guy, shall we say, you may not think, oh, that's going to move the needle. But there is a cumulative effect, right, Kev? You know, if you lose two guys, you just mentioned it. Oh, Hill into the starting lineup. Everybody bumps up. We were talking about this, you know, with the Philadelphia Phillies. If Zach Wheeler can't go, how it bumps everybody up. And that is what we also have to look at, especially if some of these players may not be all-stars, but just rotational players. I think you said another very important thing about the Milwaukee Bucks. You said, yeah, we've been running this ish all season here (laughs) in the Eastern Conference. But then you talked about the intensity. That's what I want to ask you, because the Milwaukee Bucks don't have too much to play for, Kev. You know, they're already pretty much clear of everyone, including Toronto. So when I look at their team win total, right, the Bucks win total for this restart is five and a half. And you may think, yeah, they're the Bucks. They're going to win all these games. And the over has the juice at minus 130. But Kev, 
That's my big question. How intense will the Bucks be? How serious will the Bucks take it? Or will they take it as more of a lower stakes ramp up to just get organized and ready for the real playoffs? You know, we talk about this with college football teams going into a bowl game, right? How intense will they be? How motivated will they be? We'll apply that question right now, Kev, to the Milwaukee Bucks over these eight games. Are they going to go for it? They've got nothing really to go for. Yeah, I, I mean, and they really have nothing to go for here. So if the Raptors are going to overtake them in for the first seed, they need to go eight and zero. And that's before the fact that that means the Bucks can only win the the Bucks can only have to win one or zero games in order for the Raptors right. to get to the one seed. They have absolutely nothing to play for in terms of seeding. And it's going to be interesting because I think the same is true for the Lakers out West is does that end up then being a really big advantage because they get to then go into these games and they just get to pick and choose their hand. We're going to play this many minutes. The results don't matter. Right. And I know, I know you're going to want to get some wins under your belt. Right. But at the but end Giannis of the day, average like 20 minutes a game, right? I mean, and look, now here's the crazy thing with Giannis, though, just for, like, perspective. I mean, he's only averaging 30.9 minutes per game as it was because, you know, yeah. they were just able to get up on teams and the way Budenholzer was kind of managing him. But, yeah, I'll tell you this right now. Like, this is a – here's a – and this is one of the things that we're going to have to try and see because I don't know if Budenholzer comes out and tells us pre-game Giannis is only playing 24 minutes. But I think in that right. opening game – Giannis only plays 24 minutes. And now, of course, we'll have to judge how those props look. But I think that could be one of the early opportunities for us when it comes to this NBA restart. Superstar props under in some of these opening games, right? Lakers, Clippers. Because in your mind, you're like, oh, this is massive. They're going to care so much. LeBron versus Kawhi again. But realistically, right, the Lakers don't want to give back that win that they just picked up on the Clippers. And... You might say, oh, the best way to do that is win. Yeah, but there's also the Greg Popovich approach, right? When the Spurs and the Heat were like destined to meet in the finals, and then he'd mm-hmm. sit Tim Duncan and Tony Everybody. Parker and Manu Ginobili <laughs> as they'd go to Miami, right? So now the Lakers are going to, again, they're going to play a couple of guys, but it's going to be mix and match minutes. And I think you might see a similar thing from the Clippers. And maybe the game is in the balance with five minutes to go, and then they put the guys in and they can go all out there and push her. Like, I don't think Quinn Cook's going to close this game if. It's within two points. I don't, but that's one of the things that's going to be interesting. But this, the, the, this, here's why Milwaukee is tough. I think they'll be the best betting opportunity will be, you know, the two games that Giannis sits out because they're still really good and they still can manufacture wins just through their style of play. That, that's to me when I'll be interested in backing the Bucks. Yeah, no, I think you're right, though. This question of motivation and how they play it, how many minutes will it go? And when we see those props for these games, I'm with you, especially for, say, Milwaukee or the Lakers, who have less to play for. There's no reason for their stars, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Giannis Atenokupo, to be out there with large stretches of minutes. They just need to be ready to go and feel in a tip-top shape for when the games truly do matter. Kev, however, another team in the thick of the race where these games do matter is the Miami Heat. And, you know, we heard a few weeks ago, Kev, that, you know, the Heat had, what was it, like two, three, four players who did test positive for coronavirus. We heard who one of them was, but we didn't know kind of who the other two were. 
Now I'm putting the dots together, right? I'm connecting the dots because there are two members of the Miami Heat, Kev, who still have yet to report to the bubble. And they are Kendrick Nunn and Bam Adebayo. And Kev, Bam Adebayo is an all-star, has been this kind of new age pivot, right, in the middle for the Miami Heat with his long arms. I'll ask you the same question. I know he's going to eventually get cleared. I know he's going to eventually join the team. But what do you think is the risk in the same way for Coddington, the ramp up not being there, the risk of soft tissue injuries? But for Bam Adebayo especially, this is a key cog for the Miami Heat. If Bam Adebayo is not there for the Miami Heat, then they have absolutely no chance of getting out of the... I mean, I guess maybe it would depend on the first-round matchup, but that's about the extent of it. Like, Bam Adebayo is someone that we're looking at as, can he potentially be the guy who can stop Giannis? Here's the real worry for the Miami Heat, because as you've talked about, right, the ramp-up, right? Even if he gets there tomorrow, he has to quarantine, then practice, get his legs under him. Listen to these first four games for the Miami Heat. Denver, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee. I mean, they're going to be dogs in all of those games if Bam Adebayo is there, let alone whether Bam Adebayo isn't there. Now, Jimmy Butler's a dog, and Spolcher's a great coach, and them getting swept whether Bam is there or not might feel unlikely, but that's really relevant because now all of a sudden they get pushed back to the sixth line, and that it, it shakes up the entire Eastern Conference. Because I think there is a belief right now, like if they ha- if they were to post odds, who will be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference? The Pacers would be sizable favorites. But if it's the Miami Heat, that flips things a lot, right? Because now all of a sudden, Philly, Indiana, and a 4-5, you're like, ah, Philly's getting through, right? Now, because you think Bam Adebayo right. would have joined, all of a sudden, if you've got the Celtics matched up with the Heat, Right, that would you know, suck someone like my this, Eastern Conference futures right. bets, but yeah, right. <laughs> like for you, but that, that's it's a it's a double nightmare, right? Because it's like, well, not only now do I have to lose one of these teams, yep. but it's going to be a lot more taxing on whichever one yep. gets out of this matchup. Like, so that's one of the more interesting things when it, I think it comes to the Miami Heat is the how soon can Bam Adebayo be available for them, and what does that mean for them on this start? Their win total sits at four and a half. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they're able to win any of those games without Bam Adebayo to start. And then they close with winnable games. Phoenix, Indiana, OKC, Indiana again. But to go over four and a half, got to get one of those first four and then sweep the back end. That's why it's minus 175 for them to be under four and a half wins. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it could be very interesting. Watch that news and let's watch what Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn to some extent, right, look like when they get back. We still do not know the long-term effects of this virus and how long it will take to get back into playing shape. One thing I do know is that when we come back, we'll keep on talking about the NBA as we put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez, our number one almost in the books. We got a lot of baseball to cover an hour or two, so keep it locked right here on SportsGrid with the early line. Coming back. (laughs) 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. Kevin, I got to ask you, you know, we talked about how much will LeBron play in these games? How much will uh, Giannis play in these games, right? Because their teams don't have as much to play for. We also received word, Kev, that they don't have much to play for for individual awards left anymore either because the MVP voting will take place before these restart games happen. So, you know, Giannis, LeBron, if you want to believe Luca or anybody else is still in the running, their work is done when it comes to the MVP race. A, do you think that's right, Kev? Or like, could, could someone have done something in these eight games to change your mindset? I know we talked about it with like Zion and Ja Morant. So do you think that's right that, you know, the MVP case resume is done being built and which way are you leaning, brother, man? Yeah, I, I think, like you mentioned John Morant, he's a big winner in this because... Right, Zion the Zion come back on him. Because the thing is, like, Zion should have never been able to get him, but because there, people would have been like, ah, I don't care, he took his playoff spot away, people might have still voted that way. So this is a big win for John Morant. As far as the MVP, the only reason why maybe it could have been up for grabs in those last eight games is the Lakers are three games off of the Bucks for the best record in the NBA. And I do think mm. if they finish with the best record in the NBA, that might have been enough to shift votes. As it sits now, but here's the thing, and a lot of people forget this, but there were odds up right before the season closed, and Giannis was like a minus 120 favorite. When mm. Before the weekend when LeBron beat the Bucks or the Lakers beat the Bucks and the Clippers, Giannis <laughs> was like a minus 2,000 favorite. Like so In moving. two games, it moved. I expect Giannis to win, but I also think there's a world where he split some MVP Defensive Player of the Year awards, ah. and he's competing against Lakers for, for both of those awards. It'll be really interesting to see how those things shake out. All right, and you always know, for the Sixth Man of the Year award, I want one of my Clippers to get it done, either Montrez Harrell <laughs> or Sweet Lou Williams. When we come back in hour number two, we turn our attention to the National Football League. They're still trying to figure it out. And we got baseball to play. Hour two of the early line up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 